Namaum Vishnu Padai, Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale, Swami Sri Bhakti Vedanta Prabhupada Yate Namaha, Guru Bhagyam Shirasidharjam Shaktyavesha Swarupine, Hare Krishna Iti Mantrena Paschacha Prachatarene, Vishwacharja Prabhajaja Dibya Karunyamutaye, Sri Bhagavata Madhudya, Gita Gyana Pradayane, Gaura Shri Rupa Siddhanta, Saraswati Nishevine, Radha Krishna Padam Boja Bringaya Guruve Namaha, Devam Divyatanam, Suchanna Varanam, Balaka Chelanchitam, Sandrananda Puram, Sadeka Varanam Bhairagya Vidyam Budhim, Shri Siddhanta Nidhim Subhakti Lasitam, Saraswatanam Varam, Banditam Shubadam, Madeka Sharanam Nyashishvaram, Sridharam Manchakalpataru Vyascha, Pripasindu Vyavacha, Potitanam Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavibhyo Namunama. Shri Guri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Harinam Prabhu ki jai. Oh Premanandi. Unmo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Discussing from the 10th Canto Chapter 12, Killing of Aghasura, the first chapter of Brahmavimohan Lila. Thus far we've discussed at some length the importance of this section of Srimad Bhagavatam with regards to its illustrating through the Lila of the Lord the truth and uh, most uh, important statement in one sense of the Srimad Bhagavatam from the point of view of philosophy, tattva, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now, of course, uh, we haven't, it hasn't perhaps become clear how these chapters uh, illustrate that yet, but we're still quite uh, early on in the, in the discussion. We've discussed thus far this particular day in which the Lord chose to leave early in the morning for a picnic lunch with his friends and how Ram was not able to accompany him. And some discussion of their sportive activities we concluded with yesterday, the likes of which amazed Sukadev Goswami. They boggled his mind to see that these boys were so intimately associated with Bhagawan that they could relate with him as if uh, equals. Again, this is the Pradhan of the uh, Sakyabhav. Kabiraj Goswami explains it in this way. Vishvamba Pradhan. The kind of the, the, the foundation of this is a sense of equality. Pranaya. It, it means also pranaya. 
uh, a godbrother of ours, who I'd known for many years, and he was a, has been a brahmachari for many, many years. Was He's still in ISKCON today, and uh, still a brahmachari. Well, no, he's not a brahmachari. He's a sannyasi now. But um, he has some inkling towards the uh, this uh, friendly love of Krishna, so he has expressed, however modestly. And so uh, it came, uh, he was recommended in Iskand to become a sannyasi, and he's been on the waiting list for some number of years, and so his number came up, I guess, and in recent times he was uh, given the the go-ahead to take sannyasa. His sannyas guru uh, said to him that you may choose uh, the name if you like. Now it's become uh, customary in, in, in Iskand to a large extent to give the sannyasis names in the way in which Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave names, or a similar way. Uh, Prabhupada, as you know, used to keep the same names for the most part of the devotees when he gave them sannyas and added the name Swami or Goswami. Jayapataka, Swami, Damalakrishna Goswami, Tripurari Swami, and so forth. Sometimes he didn't do that, sometimes he changed their names, and sometimes, and in fact, in the end, he began to uh, give names like, he named that Gopinath, Chirchar Gopinath, I think his name was Bhakti Charu Maharaj, Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj. Uh, in the last uh, uh, instances of his giving sannyas in Vrindavan, 1977. So, at any rate, Bhakti Siddhartha Talker had a particular system that he had uh, developed. He gathered together 108 sannyas names, taking the 10 of Shankar and adding the rest to make 108. So, Bon, Giri, Aranya, uh, Puri, Saraswati, Siddhanti, Tridandi, Puri, uh, uh, Sridhar, Swami, Goswami, these were two of the na- names, Trivikram, uh, and so on, 108 names. And then he would take the sannyas name and add to that the title Bhakti. So Bhakti, and then a two or three syllable word that would somehow uh, describe the character of that individual. So... Uh, for example, Bhakti Rakshak means protector. Bhakti Rakshak, Sridhar Maharaj, the sannyas name was Sridhar. So, B.R. Sridhar Maharaj, or sometimes they would then call themselves Swami B.R. Sridhar, Swami B.P. Puri, something like that. So, Bhakti, in his case, Bhakti Rakshak, Sridhar Maharaj. In our Guru Maharaj's case, uh, Bhakti Vedanta, Swami Maharaj. Uh, you may know the name Bhakti Vedanta was actually given to Prabhupada by Sridhar Maharaj before Keshav Maharaj ever gave it to him in terms of its being part of his uh, sannyas name. Prabhupada Bhakti Sarasati Thakur had said that whatever this uh, Vajjana not have been the rights that should be should be published. So uh, uh, Gosami Maharaj, who became the mantra guru of Pishima, Babatarini, Prabhupada's sister, he um, liked Prabhupada and he wanted to make some uh, underscore this uh, statement of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So he bestowed the title of Bhakti Siddhanta on Prabhupada. 
But then some of the gondolas complained because their sentiments were were somewhat uh, trampled on by that. <laughs> they felt, and so they came to Sridhar Maharaj. These kind of issues often did, because he was known to be of even temperament and objective, and and he was also very expert with names and adjusting names and and so on. So he suggested, let it be Bhakti Vedanta, which is really the, has the same meaning as Bhakti Siddhanta. So everyone was happy. And, Prabhupada used to have the title. Later he took sannyas from Keshav Maharaj. Actually, he approached Sridhar Maharaj for sannyas first. Sridhar Maharaj personally told me the story. He said, he came to me and asked for sannyas, but I I was a little hesitant on two accounts. I thought, I know his household life, and it, sometimes it was a little turbulent. Wife was not cooperating always with his enthusiasm. <laughs> preaching. I lived with him for six years and I saw uh, many things and uh, he said, so I, I wanted to be sure that his sannyas was uh, not uh, motivated only by the frustration of that situation for one, but more than that, he said, which I doubted, but anyway, it was a consideration, but more than that, I was uh, re- afraid because I knew his family would come and disturb my mat. We were so intimate in our dealings and in my closeness with the family, sons would come and the mother would, wife would come and cause me great disturbance. He said, anyway, he could not wait. He went anyway to Keshav Maharaj and took sannyasa. So at that time, Keshav Maharaj gave him the title Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj. So this has now become, uh, and we learned this, of course, from Sridhar Maharaj. The one thing about Sridhar Maharaj I think is worth uh, pointing out in, in my um, thinking is that um, now, of course, this concept of having a Sikshu Guru has become a little popular, almost fashionable in some circles. But when I myself uh, realized that Sridhar Maharaj was uh, serving in the capacity of Sikshu Guru, and I saw him as such, in relation to myself, it wasn't very fashionable. It was a great heresy, actually. It, it, although Prabhupada had obviously taught about this and the concept was mentioned in the books, we had no opportunity to really apply it other than the fact that, well, Prabhupada was our Siksha Guru. He gave Siksha, and therefore we took Diksha from him, and he gave so much Siksha. We were you know, in the midst of discussing some of his Siksha here in his commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. But the idea that he himself, of course, clearly makes in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Siksha Guru, Diksha Guru is one, and Siksha Guru may be many. We never had the opportunity to, uh, the occasion to apply that. So when the practical, we came to the practical, then our understanding of the theoretical was uh, is, is tested. How to apply the theory, and and many of us didn't really understand the the theory that well. It became apparent, and thus, as I say. This became a, this was thought of as a great heresy, and Sridhar Maharaj was therefore kind of the, if you will, Adi Siksha Guru for all of Prabhupada's disciples. If there may be there may be others now, so many as as someone may, someone may feel and reason, but he was like the Adi Siksha Guru, and his Siksha has come interestingly enough, to kind of seep in everywhere in so many places about so many things he said. And this is how I felt. When I came in touch with him and I heard what he said and I read the talks of his that were published, I realized everybody has to deal with these issues here. What he's talking about, this, we have to pass through this understanding, imbibe this, 
to go where we want to go. There's no way around that. This is Krishna consciousness. This is this is our Siddhanta. And, and uh, you know, applied as it was relative to issues of, of, the, of the time, which still are issues today to some extent. So I was confident I was in, in the right place. But interestingly, in terms of his nature, as I mentioned last night, always wanting to stay in the background, he's very much still stayed in the background. And many of the things that he talked about and explained to us are even um, commonplace. I mentioned the first night I came, the idea that he said Prabhupada was, a, I think he's a Shaktivesh avatar in my estimation. And then so many people are saying, Prabhupada is Shaktivesh avatar. Why shall we listen to Sridhar Maharaj? Keep Prabhupada in the center. These kind of things. So with regard to the sannyas names also, we learned this system of Bhakti Siddhanta from him. He explained that to us. And now it's become somewhat fashionable and it's gone that they will change the name and give like this. So this uh, Ramachari contacted me. He said, I have the opportunity to choose my sannyas name and I've been waiting for years and I wondered if you could advise me. And uh, he said, I want my name somehow to be indicative of my sentiment or remind me of my sentiment, which is in relation to the uh, Sakurasa. So he had just thought of some things and he's made some suggestions and so forth. And he wasn't quite exactly clear on the system of Bhakti Siddhanta with regard to the the word which would indicate something about him, a two or three syllable word which would name which would indicate something about the person. And then he sent me different suggestions of other devotees that had been suggesting and I looked over all that and uh, he sent to a number of people this so then I, I thought about it for some time and I told him this should not be worn in open very much, this kind of thing. Narottam says, Narottam Thakur says in one place that one's inner life, one's bhajan, should not even be thought about in the presence of others who are not sympathetic, or to speak of spoken about to make some emphasis on it. But bhajan is a, is a, is a, is a quiet, uh, private affair. I, like I said before, love wants to share itself, but it quickly finds out. Everyone isn't very interested and it has to withdraw to a private place in a smaller circle. So, at any rate, I also uh, I wanted to try to harmonize that truth, that, that important point, with the fact that he wanted some name that would somehow be indicative. So I suggested to him that this word uh, Vishrambha, Vishrambha means, is mentioned also by Rupa Goswami, he says Vishrambha Guru Seva, that we should serve our Guru Vishrambha, Guru Seva, affectionately, kind of like a friend-servant, where the servant just borders on a friend. Arjun is the perfect example of the disciple. He's a purisambandi. His friendly love is a, he's like a city friend of Krishna, not a village friend of Krishna. So it's a little bit uh, different. A little bit more sense of Krishna's godhood is found in, in Arjun. And, and when, I, when Krishna showed his godhood to Arjun in the 11th chapter, the bhav of Arjun, friendly bhav, which is mixed with servitude. This is the this is a combination of servitude and friendship. The bhav of friendship receded to the background, and he said, "Oh, Krishna, oh Yadava, oh Saketi, and all the. I sat on the same bed with you. I called you by these names of intimacy, and even even uh, some sense uh, denigrating you in joke, 
in jest, and um, I might have met, this may have been an offense to your God, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, all these kind of things. This would never happen to Krishna's friends like Subal, Sridam. When they saw him lift the Govardhan hill, so many, we're discussing Agasura Lila. So Krishna, as you know, every day he would practically kill a demon. Only a few are mentioned here in Bhagavatam, giving the overview. But practically, Prabhupada said every day he would kill a demon. Mother Yasoda was so insistent that even though Radha was supposedly married to another, her affection for, for Krishna was such that she insisted that Radha, being the best cook, having been blessed as she was by Durvas, that... Um, she had to come and cook for her son every day. And um, the elders of Radharani, they couldn't, they couldn't disagree. The queen of Braj uh, was insisting, and uh, so Radharani would come every day and cook. And Mother Yashoda's thinking, because the, he, she, he eats the cooking of Radharani, therefore he can deal with all those demons. If there are any, the boys are always talking about them, but we don't, we don't see them. We hear these stories. Maybe they're just the stories of boys, but then again, the forest can be dangerous. And But when Govardhan Leela came, then all of the Braj, everybody saw the Aishvarya of Krishna. You understand? It was out in the open. He lifted the Govardhan hill with just his little, little finger, like, like, like this. Left hand up, he's holding it, and of course he's only holding with the pinky, small finger. And uh, the reason is because then he can get his whole hand up. He couldn't see, and this way he could look and see the face of Radha secretly while holding and get the Shakti to hold the hill. <laughs> and even he's getting the Shakti to hold the hill, Balaram's noticing, and he starts to blush and quiver. So the boys are thinking, see, he can't hold the hill. He's just crushed like one of us. I'm stronger than him. I've defeated him a number of times, Sri Dham is thinking. So they're putting their sticks up also to hold the hill. Although they're seeing such opulence, such Aishvarya of Krishna, it only serves to increase their, their sentiment, their love. It, that love is so powerful that it doesn't recede to the background, as in the case of Arjun or Vasudeva and Devaki in, in Dwaraka. This is Rag, Rag Bhakti. So they, these boys, they, they, they think themselves like equals of, of Krishna. Vishramba, and Guru, and, and Rupa Goswami says, Vishramba, Guru Seva, we should serve our Guru. It means, it means equality, but it means also affectionately. Uh, with, with affection, Vishvas also means with firm faith. Vishrambhena, Guru Seva. Arjuna, as I say, is a good example in, in terms of what Rupa Goswami means there when he mentions it. He's, it means like servitude, but just bordering on friendship, just some combination between the two. Vishwamba Guru Seva. So I said, I'm suggesting this, your name should be Bhakti Vishwamba, because overtly, Vishwamba means with firm faith, with conviction, with affection, just as you have served your Gurudev, our Prabhupada, for so many years, as everyone knows, with great affection, you served him. The common people will think, oh, this is the meaning of the word. But you will know that it is the, it is the 
also means equality and uh, it is the root of the, the basis of the fraternal affection, Vishwa. So Bhakti Vishwamba Madhav Maharaj. And Madhav is a name for Krishna and Madhav is also a name for Balaram as mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam. But this way he was happy and his son as Guru agreed. And again, use of these names and so forth is an instance of how the, the Siksha of Sridhar Mars has, has more or less gone everywhere to nourish has gone, whether we know it came from him or, or in many instances or not. And so keeping to his nature, even though Prabhupada tried to draw him out and bring him into the foreground, he's staying in the background and energizing, assisting. So anyway, we, we heard about uh, here in this leader various dealings of the cowherds and their intimacy with Krishna their closeness, their being on equal footing, and Sukadev Goswami is absolutely astonished at this. He says, what they must have done, how many lifetimes, billions and millions of pious activity, how much Sukriti, Bhakti Unmukhi Sukriti, they must have acquired to be in this position. I cannot imagine. These things we heard now, that's the introduction to this leader. Now we come to the introduction of, a, of, an, of adversity. In the midst of all this happiness, festivities and so forth, some adversity comes. Tukadev Goswami says that Athaga Namabhyapattan Mahasura Stesham Sukha Kridana Vikshanak Kshama Nityam Vyad Antar Nidja Jibete Subihi Pitam Ritar Api Amarai Purikshate. He's speaking to the king, Marsh Purikshate, who's so eager to hear all of these things. He said, My dear king, thereafter there appeared a great demon named Aghasura, whose death was being awaited even by the demigods. The demigods drank nectar every day, but still they feared this great demon and awaited his death. This demon could not tolerate the transcendental pleasure being enjoyed in the forest by the cowherd boys. So here the uh, Agasura is introduced. As we'll hear uh, in, in the following verse, he is Sabhaki Bakanu Jha. He's the Anuja, the younger brother of uh, Bakasur and Putana, both of whom have been also dealt with, already, I should say, already dealt with by uh, Krishna. This is the plight of Kamsa, one demon after another he's commissioning and sending to kill Krishna, and one after another they are being uh, dispensed with by Krishna coming in different ways. Uh, Putana came in the most insidious way as a mother and offering uh, her tender breast to the child, to the infant, but smearing the poison on her breast. This is, uh, this is most heinous. The, the contrast here is, is so great. Infant lying with eyes closed, mother coming. Not only mother coming, but mother offering her breast milk. But in doing so, trying to poison the child. I mean, if this was done today, it would be on CNN, and there would be huge investigation. You know, 
outrage and the trial would be followed for months and months and months. How this woman was to be dealt with, what she did, she would be a witch even in the modern day. That's why the wise Uddhava made that statement, Ho Vakiyam Stanakalavuta. He said to this effect, Who in their right mind would take shelter of anyone other than Krishna? When we see that Putana came with such a devious idea, such a harmful idea, such an insidious plan, and he gave her nonetheless Vatsalya Bhakti, who in the right mind would take shelter of anybody else? This is how he deals with people who are inimical towards him. What to speak of uh, being devoted? This is wise uh, determination of, of Uddhava. She came with her breast smeared with poison, a whole bakiyam stanakala could still she got motherhood, eternal uh, nursehood, vatsalya bhakti. So Putana came. Oh, and each one saw. Well, she tried like that. So Shakatasur said, I'll, I'll come try to be invisible. He made himself like the card. He couldn't be seen. Still, he was defeated. Uh, but the Trinavarta came and said, well, I'll, I'll take him away from the group. He has strength because he's with the group. So I'll catch him up in, in the world and take him from it into a distant place. And still, he, one after another, seeing the uh, as one after another before them was dispensed with in spite of their what would otherwise be a, a very comprehensive way to do away with a little, a little boy, uh, uh, seeing their their failures, they all thought, "Well, I'll try another way. I'll try another way." And so now it's come to this Aghasura, and his sister Putin, his brother Bakasura have been killed. Kamsa, we often think of some of these demons as being greater than Kamsa because they are overtly rather uh, frightening in their appearances, uh, like. Uh, huge monsters, uh, some of them like this python, Agasur, and, and so on. But they were all completely under the uh, influence of Kamsa. They would do whatever he said. What, so he was the, the really the, the, the most demonic in the, in the whole, whole Leela. So he called on Agasur. He woke him up. And he said, look, you've been sleeping for a while. As a, and uh, in the course of this time, Putin has been killed. Baka's been killed, who are related to you. Others have been killed. So this way he also incensed him by speaking about the fact that his relatives had been killed and um, encouraged him to go and and, uh, and kill Krishna. And so he devised a way, appearing as a big uh, python, if you will, huge python, that would, in his estimation, avenge himself and uh, set the record straight because if he swallowed Krishna along with all of his friends then all of the mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and would all die also out of just out of separation the loss of all of their children and and, and and Krishna so as he's killed my relatives I don't want to just kill him but I want to bring harm to his relatives also very sinful idea. He's called sin. Agha means sin. Aghasura, the demon of sin. <laughs> and this name, actually, Aghasura, is often used in, uh, found in juxtaposition to describing the uh, esoteric um, and uh, erotic leelas 
of Radha and Krishna. To help us, it's just like Rupa Goswami, Rupa Manjari, tells one friend, speaks in this way, to inspire love for Subal. Sajjam kunjugrihe agabidha kandapali lochitam. She's glorifying the love of Subal for Krishna and the fact that he's privy to so many intimate affairs and of Radha and Krishna. Sajjam kunjugri. When there's sajjam on, lying on the bed, kunjugrihe in, in a flower house, that agobidha, that, that means that killer of agha, Krishna, kandarapali lochitam in, in love affairs. Sometimes he goes on to say, Subal will be there making the fan, and if his lover should leave, he'll go and fetch her and insist that she come back and reason with her in so many ways. You have to come back and pacify her. In this way, Rupa Manjari says, Oh, his adhikar is so, his eligibility is so great. What thing is not uh, about Krishna Leela is unknown to him. This is the way she, she speaks at one point. This is from Ujjvamani, of Rupa Goswami. And Vishwanath Chakvati Thakur says, this is Rupa Manjari saying this. He has commented in that way. So, Agabita, anyway, this is an instance, for example, where the esoteric love affairs of Radha and Krishna, the romantic life of Krishna is being talked about, and he's addressed in there as Agabita. Why? So many instances like this we find. This name Aga, uh, and Krishna is the, uh, the killer of Aga, the destroyer of Aga, and, and so forth. He's mentioned by that name often in relation to the description of his erotic affairs. So you can understand why. Because unless we kill the sin, we can't understand those affairs. Those affairs have nothing to do with our sinful life, and that must be destroyed. The uh, Asura of Aga, that must be done away with if we are to enter into all these things. In this way, the poetry of Bhagavatam and Agwasami is making it clear. And sometimes people like to emphasize all those affairs and fail to uh, emphasize the significance of why such a name as Agabita and so on is, is there in the, in the Leela. Whereas Avabhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to like to emphasize those names of Krishna mm-hmm. in, in, in a substantial way. They stress on how you may understand all those things, truly. It's not just by gathering information. We want not only theoretical knowledge, but realization. So, at any rate, Agabita, Agasura, Agat, here he says, Atagha, Namabhyapatan, Mahasura, a great Asura, the likes of which we hear here was such that the, the, the demigods, although they drink nectar, which means they have immortality, they were concerned about him, that he might somehow bring about their destruction, even though they were, in many respects, immortal. The fact is we live forever, all of us, no matter what we eat or drink. But the only thing that can stop us from realizing that is all our sinful activities. It creates the it, 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 such, act, such absorption in material life. Uh, obscures the, fa- the fact of our eternality. So this point is, is being made here to some extent. They were waiting for his death. 
And he himself, Agasuri, could not tolerate the pleasure of the boys they were enjoying in the forest with Krishna. He could not tolerate this. So he's come to interrupt. We heard how how wonderfully they were. We didn't read all the verses, but the younger boys were leaping like frogs and imitating them. And some boys were dancing and singing and, and, and others were viewing the performances and rating them. And uh, and when they didn't like a performance, they'd someone would run very fast and say, "Who cares for singing and dancing? The business of cowards is their their greatness is determined by how fast they can run." Watch me, and and uh, and then uh, Krishna would go at a distance, and they would all run and try to touch him first, and in the contest in this way, all they were having just fun, uh, like young young boys. And here comes Agasur to to interrupt. The fun. So some adversity is being introduced into all of this. So we should we should uh, understand this clearly. Prabhupada makes a comment. He actually cites Chakravarti Vishwanath, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, who explains that the um, you remember that the boys are going for a picnic uh, breakfast and they've been absorbed now in playing to such an extent that they've forgotten about eating. They've taken their bamboo sticks as they carry their picnic uh, lunches and hung them on the trees and they're absorbed in their playing and uh, so he says that uh, how he for other reasons how can their pastime be interrupted by any adverse element really so he explains in a way the, the, the point that for in Krishna consciousness there is no adversity really to elaborate on what he what he means here just like Trudor Marsh liked to say, the environment is friendly. We just have to see it like that. If someone even abuses me, oh, I should think he's relieving me of my past karma. I hope I pay my dandavat to, to him. So there's no... Uh, Trudor Marsh, once one of my godbrothers, asked him if he could wear an Ashringa Kavacha to protect him. He said, you can do, he said, but generally we rather than thinking of being protected from adversity, we invite adversity. What did Kunti Devi say? Vipada tattvaya tattva tattva jagad guru, something. Prabhupada used to like to say that, to invite adversity. That Harinam, Krishna Nam is so powerful that it can turn adversity into something positive. The fact of the matter is, as we say, the environment is friendly. There is no problem. We have to change our angle of vision. So, Chakravati Vishwanath uh, explains that coward boys, they had to eat. They should have eaten by now. So, even though Krishna is fully absorbed in the pastime with them, he's also God. There's two aspects to Krishna that, that are important to note. One is that he's omniscient, sarbhagya, and the other is that he has a tendency to become, to forget about his godhood. This is Krishna. In the Braj Leela, he forgets that he's God. But he's still God. It hasn't changed. In Raghavartma Chandrika, a little book by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, in which he explains the path of Raghavart, he poses a question at one point. He says, Krishna is absorbed in his Leela in Vrindavan to the point that he's forgotten his God, that he is the son of Ishoda son of Nanda Maharaj. He is the friend of Sridham. He is the lover of Radha. 
as they see him, he actually is. He's forgotten his godhood. And here we are, we are sadhakas, and we want to approach him. We want to get his attention through our sadhana, our, our practice. So that's a daunting task. Lakshmi sahasra satasambhamas evamana. He's served by millions of Lakshmis. How we get it, we get his attention? So he, he poses this question and he suggests an answer. He says, well, Krishna is manifest as Paramatma in everyone's heart. So we can just offer our prayers to the Paramatma. And if Paramatma, then Paramatma will hear and in this way we'll progress because Krishna is lost in his love affair. He says, so he suggests, how's that for an answer? And then how we respond determines our eligibility for, for, for the ragmarg. If we go, yeah, that sounds okay. We say, no, I don't want to talk to the Paramatma. I want to talk to Krishna. Who cares with that four-armed form? If, if there's any form of Krishna in my heart, it's yam shama sundaram machinti guna sarupam govindamadi purusham tamaham jami. You know, you've seen the picture of Hanuman tearing apart his heart because someone told him that Sita Ram was in his heart. As a, maybe you've seen they make posters like that. There's a picture of Sita Ram in the heart. Mahabhu was swooning and uh, crying and fainting, and uh, Gadadhar tried to pacify him by telling him, Don't be concerned, calm down, calm down. Krishna, he was swooning for Krishna. He said, Krishna is in your heart. Mahabhu began to tear apart his, his kurta and, and uh, his chest. And Gadadhar had to stop him. And when Sachimata saw this, she said, "You please always stay with him wherever, he, wherever he goes. Protect him from himself, from himself and his, in his madness." So he has the Paramatma is in the heart, but uh, in a, in a general sense. But we're not interested in the Paramatma feature. This is this is he. Paramatma is the Vishayalambana of Shantarasa. Vishayalambana means the object of love. In Rasananda we have the object of love and then we have the shelter of that love, the, the, the vessel of that love. So Krishna, for example, is the, is the object of love and Radha is the, is the vessel of, this, of a particular kind of love and, uh, and uh, Yashoda, the vessel of a particular type of, of love. So these two things together, the object of love and, and the love itself interacting, this is one of the vibhavs, which are one of the elements of the experience of aesthetic, sacred aesthetic rapture, rasananda. So we're not interested in, in Paramatma. Fellow Godbrother of ours once wrote a book called Conversations with the Paramatma many years ago, Sanyasi. I saw, and I was already in good company of Shiva most of the time. I thought, I, I thought this is a suspect for more than one reason. <laughs> Conversation with the Paramatma. Who wants to, first of all, we're Gaudi Vaishnava, who wants to talk to the Paramatma? We want to talk to Krishna. We can't give our prayers, only the Paramatma will hear. But Krishna will hear. So he says, more or less, if you're satisfied with that answer, then you don't have the kind of enthusiasm for the Prajapakti that you're ready to really to tread this path. And then he explains, the fact of the matter is that Krishna, although he's absorbed in, in love and forgetting about his godhood, that he's 
Bhagavan Swayam. Still he can hear the prayers of the sadhakas who earnestly petition him through their Gurudev, of course, because, he says, he cites a verse from Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, where Uddhava is asked the advice of Lord Krishna with regard to a particular incident, as he would regularly. And Uddhava says to him, you're all-knowing, you're omniscient, but still you ask my advice as if you are bewildered. This is very extraordinary. Uddhava, of course, is in Dwarka, and in Dwarka, Krishna is appearing four-armed often, and the fact of his godhood is, is, is known to, the, to those inhabitants of Dwarka. Their bhav is, is such that, uh, that um, it's, it's, a, it's a high end of gyan, uh, in a sense, um, jnana bhakti. There's, there's gyan in their bhakti. In Vrindavan, it's called, we call it gyan shunya bhakti. Knowledge is just, it's just not there. I mean, it's there, but it's so suppressed in order for that intimacy to take place. But in Dwarka, there's some distance. So anyway, Uddhava makes a statement. You know, it's, this is really amazing. You know everything, and you're asking me your advice. So Vishnu Chakrati Thakur explains that in Dwarka, the all-knowing aspect of the Lord takes precedence over his tendency to be bewildered in, in, in love and forgetful out of love and affection, its force of his godhood. And in Vrindavan, it's reversed. His tendency to become overwhelmed by the affection of his devotees and to forget his godhood is greater, and his all-knowing is less manifest. But it's not; it hasn't gone away. He's still God. It's still there. And therefore, we should think, what kind of sadhana we have to do to get his attention? He can hear, but it's a, it's a daunting task. He will listen, but... Seriously, we should do our sadhana with affection. We were talking about this to some extent last night because someone asked, "Well, what about mercy? Isn't it possible?" Just you know, the implication was, "Prabhupada's very merciful. I just love Prabhupada. Isn't that enough? Let's just put Prabhupada in the center, and you know, I really want to please him. And uh, you know, what about that? Isn't isn't that what all these talks of philosophy, this that, six gurus and whatever, and everything that you know? Let's just put Prabhupada in the center. Well, this was kind of the implication. So we we discussed it at, at some point. How well it was understood, I don't know. I had doubt after the conclusion of the whole thing <laughs> whether everything I said, much of what I said, was was understood by everyone. But uh, yes, put Prabhupada in the center. Therefore, there should be Mangalarti, there should be Tulsi Puja, there should be, uh, we should be eager to have a sannyasi come and hear, give the Bhagavatam class, and, uh, and uh, if he's not, we should have someone else in the community, and who? We would choose someone who's advanced and senior to give the discourse, and we look, this is probably, that's the Prabhupada I knew. I mean, that's, wherever that's going on, yeah, the Prabhupada is in the center there. What does it mean to put Prabhupada in the center, but his teachings will go out, out the window or the, or the practices that he advised us of? We, we, we spoke last night about the idea that the mercy of the Guru is also the fact that he gives us all these practices by which to be connected with him. When someone said last night, said, well, we should just put Prabhupada in the center. And it, uh, I felt like saying, have you chanted your 16 rounds a day? I didn't want to say it. I, maybe, it's, maybe everybody in the room did, but I had my doubts. What does it mean? to put Prabhupada in That's what I, this morning, I was thinking this last night in my dreams. This is such a good example, this house, of putting Prabhupada 
in the center. It's a, you have to have a dynamic sense of what that means, not just a figment of your imagination. What is Prabhupada? And in the context of discussing all these things, somehow I came to tell my, my story of how I you know, ended up where, where I am. And afterwards, you know, and I, and in the, the, I was explaining it because, if I recall correctly, um, I was trying to make the point that, look, everything that anybody in this room has been through in terms of frustration, I've also been through all types of frustration. It should have been clear. I didn't, have to, I didn't think I had to come out and say it, but I'm still standing on my feet here and doing all these things that, that we were doing when Prabhupada was here hearing, chanting, practicing, preaching, and so forth. And some of us are not, to one extent or another, and we tend to blame the circumstances for that. I thought I was kind of making it clear. I didn't want to just say, see, look at me. <laughs> I was just saying, it's like, there's no reason, there's no excuse. And when you say at the same time, you want to put Prabhupada in the center, all the more, there's no excuse. This is what it means. We should take the adversity that's come and turn it into something positive. Learn from that. I tell you, it's a blessing in a sense. My story, my circumstance, I mean, as awkward as it seemed at the time, having to leave this gun by force of circumstance, it turned out to be a huge blessing. I can only pay my pranam to everyone that was part of the negative impetus. I learned so much. I got put in a situation by Prabhupada's grace where, as he used to say, you know, uh, necessity is the uh, is the mother of invention. I mean, I, I never wrote anything before. I, when I was out of ISKCON, I, I, BBT would not sell me Prabhupada's books to sell to other people. So I thought, well, we got to have books. I better start writing books. I guess that's what I, Prabhupada wanted us to write down our realizations and. You can't get his books, you've got to write books. See what you knew about his books. So, that I began writing that Clarico magazine and so forth and preaching. And it's been very good for me. It's, it's, and it's been managed to help some others too. That at least they've, they've said like that. So my point was, not that I was venting and saying it's okay, everybody should, should vent, as, as one fellow construed it. But you shouldn't vent. <laughs> That in spite of all these things that may happen to us, it should be no excuse. We should keep Prabhupada in the center. Exactly as you were saying, that's what we should do. With all these practices, and as it was going on in his absence, that means we should also hear from senior Vaishnavas, and, and, and everybody's just not, the playing field is just not all equal here. <laughs> this is never uh, how, how Prabhupada taught us. We, People may have abused position, but nonetheless, there is a hierarchy in all of these things, and uh, that should be acknowledged happily. So, so here, anyway, the point is that Agasura appears to be bringing adversity, but in, in the charm, charming insight of Vishwana Chakuti Thakur that Prabhupada cites, he says, actually, he's just coming to, to like an alarm clock to say it's lunchtime. That's all. You need to eat your lunch. So in this way they saw the Agasur and he opened his mouth. There's many verses describing this, but Prabhupada has not commented much at all. But um, he opened his mouth wide, as I say, he wanted to swallow all the boys and all the calves, all the cows and all the mothers and fathers and 
relatives would die in his way. He felt he would avenge his brother and sister, Putana and Bakasura. He opened his mouth wide and there they, they were playing and they came to notice him and they noticed uh, maybe it's a big mountain cave and we can enter in. And others said, no, it looks like a snake. And uh, some boys maybe uh, with, whose bhakti was tinged with dasya, maybe they expressed a little, little fear. Maybe we should get out of here. But others stronger and uh, without fear, they said, yeah, what do we have to fear? Krishna's our friend. Let's go. Let's flow inside. Looks like a, you know, like, you know, young boys will take risks. That's a fact. When I was young, I used to live in a, in a, in a, in a little village and uh, there was only five families there and uh, and uh, there was a river and we, my brother my age used to go and play on the river and make rafts and... Uh, and, and uh, whenever a new house was being constructed, we'd go and steal lumber and you know, build a tree fort out of that and you know, take all kinds of risks. And sometimes we would be injured and, and so on. So this is just the nature of, uh, of young boys. So in this way, they, they, they're a little risk-taking. So they said, let's go inside. After all, even if all of us could be defeated, Krishna couldn't be defeated. We, we have that confidence. So we, they went and Krishna watched them, observed them, and he thought, now what? He could understand what, what's going on here. This is a demon. He's come to swallow all of them. What to do? He reflected on it for for a moment. What to do? It means he's he's coming out of his mugda, his bewilderment of, of his humanness, and uh, and his godhood is manifesting to some extent. Meanwhile, the boys and calves are all going in, and then he reaches his decision and he enters in after them, and the abode of joy. This is the way Krishna thought about it. I am the boat of happiness. I'm walking into this fellow's mouth. He's closed his mouth. And my happiness is such that it's expanding. It, whenever I'm in a contained area, my happiness fills up that area. So filling up the whole inside of him as I am, his life airs needed some room to breathe, so they've gone outside. How can I be blamed? And so, uh, in, in, in fact, to resolve the situation, now that that's done, I'll go outside through the same hole in the head that that demon has, has gone and, uh, and save the, the, the plight of the life heirs and the soul itself, which has, because I'm in, now not visible, uh, uh, can't see where to go, I'm, I'm where he's supposed to go. That soul also hovered in the sky. And Krishna remained inside for a reason. He remained inside for some time, the soul is hovering in the sky and the devas could see that. They're saying he's slain and they cheered, but the soul is hovering and they're wondering what's going to happen and the soul is hovering. The point is, Krishna let the soul hover just long enough for everyone to realize that the soul is eternally an individual. This was the idea. As we teach in Vaishnavism, it, it, see its individuality and he came out and then it, 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 it joined with Krishna. And he got, according to Bhagavatam, it's mentioned here, not Sayuja Mukti, but Sarupya Mukti. He got a form like, like, like the Lord, like Narayan, a Vaishnava type of liberation. And he was sin personified. So the demigods were amazed. He could kill sin, this boy. Incredible. And so the news came to, to Brahma what has happened on earth. Sin itself has been killed by this boy and, uh, and
and become a devotee of Narayan, who is your God, who you're born from. This is the implication. Now we're coming to the point here. Krishna's two, Bhagavan Swayam is slowly moving in that direction. Brahma's attention has been alerted. Your, this fellow sin has become an unalloyed devotee of your very source, Narayan, your Lord, by the play of this, of this unsophisticated cowherd. And so Brahma's now, this brings us really to the, the, what I've explained, the end of this particular chapter. And in the last maybe two shlokas, the Brahma's attention is, uh, is, is mentioned in the fact that he, he decided, I better come and take a look at what's going on in my creation. It sounds very bewildering, such a thing, that a boy simply playing in the village, a cowherd, unsophisticated, and we'll hear just how unsophisticated he, he appeared to Brahma. You know, Brahma is vidhi, rules and regulations himself. And here's this boy holding a yogurt and rice in his left hand, putting it in the mouths of the cowherds and taking a piece of fruit out of their mouth and putting it in his mouth and and then taking food from his mouth and putting it there from uh, this way they're dealing and he's seeing this and he's coming from, you know, uh, uh, the land of... Uh, yagya or Vishnu is honored and all food is offered to him and certainly you don't taste it beforehand and all these and this fellow could give this boy could give sin itself a position as a servant of Narayan my lord uh, this is bewildering Braj Bhakti is bewildering Krishna is is bewildering he is as uh, he has is as bewildering as love itself so we'll hear a little bit more Tomorrow, today is what, Sunday? Mm. So tomorrow is our last class, I think, uh, on this topic. So we'll talk a little bit about um, Brahma's experience, which, of course, brings us to the whole conclusion, ultimately, that, that uh, Krishna is the source of Narayan. Krishna is the Bhagavan Swayam. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam. Vijay. Any question? Yes. When uh, a devotee speaks about having you know, some inclination towards a certain sentiment, you know, in devotion, that uh, my, even though I know that that's kind of the, the path, right? That's really the path. That's Very the much path. the path, part of the path. But it, it, one tends to become kind of cynical or doubtful about it because you just wonder, well, it's like imaginary, and you hate to give a lot of, it, it can almost appear foolish, you know, right? You know, you begin to, even though you may have some kind of sentiment, to give it a lot of credence, you know, I don't know. Well, it depends on the devotee. As I mentioned, this devotee's been brahmachari his whole life, very strictly following. He'd been living in Vrindavan for many years and preaching. I've known him for a long time. So I don't take those things very lightly, and often we, 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 we tend to dismiss such Sentiments. I mean, I talked about this the other day a little bit. I don't know if you caught it, but or if you were here, but we were talking about Ram. I said a lady told me she really liked Balram, and she was thinking she would have some relationship with Balram. I said to her, "You should know who is Balram. What is what is Balram? What is the tattva of Balram? The ontological truth of Balram, and how he's serving uh, Mahaprabhu, how he's serving Krishna in every way, how Nityananda is serving Mahaprabhu. You should learn how to serve. In other words, if you really like Ram, why don't you?" 
get down and, uh, and, and really make sacrifice and, and, and serve, then you can really understand all these things. So sometimes we'll respond like that to people who voice some sentiment and, uh, and in, in, at, at a time that is uh, inappropriate and it, it becomes inordinate and not, not tasteful at all. So that's there. And that has been largely the emphasis in Iskand and in Godiamath also in many respects. But, you know, Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to lecture on uh, Upadesh Amrita in Radhakund. There's a famous talk that he gave there uh, after lecturing on Upadesh Amrita. Beginning verses, beginning verses aren't even about bhakti. They're about like, it's like if you play football, you have to run, you have to be able to kick, and all. but you can run and kick and not be playing football. You understand what I'm saying? So controlling your senses is not necessarily bhakti. There are other ways to control your senses. You can do it through yoga, you can do it through some artificial means. And, but you know, when you do bhakti, that's also there. You have to control your, your senses. We control our senses by hearing about Krishna, by coming, becoming attracted to Krishna. We get the impetus. And by making resolve that I will surrender to Krishna and do what's ever favorable to Krishna. The spirit of it is bhakti. What is favorable to Krishna... I will do it. Favorable for bhakti, I'll do it. This is sharanagati. And so then, controlling the senses is favorable. So that I'll do that. You understand? It's not just I'm controlling the senses, it's bhakti. It, it's in the context of bhakti and being a sharanagata. Because I know I want to love Krishna and to do what's favorable to Krishna and to reject what's unfavorable is, is, is part of being a sharanagata. Therefore, Vachuvegam, Manasakotavam, Vegam, Jiba Vegam, Udurapasta Vegam. I'll do all these things, make effort at all these things for my Lord, for my, for the, for the pleasure of my Gurudev, and so forth. So it's a slight nuance of difference, which is considerable and important, what makes bhakti and what is not bhakti. So those things in and of themselves are not bhakti. And those things he was lecturing on. Sharanagati, Shraddha, and so forth. But after that, he said, you know, we have come to Radhakund and all this time I'm speaking these days on the Padesh Amrita. And he said, of course, this is important. He said, but you should know that all these higher things that other people are talking about, this is our property, he said. This belongs to us. Astakalila, Eightfold Daily of Krishna. This, is, this, is, this belongs to us. We are actually the followers of Mahaprabhu. And so he said, those devotees who have been chanting seriously for 20 years plus, then some, t- some this can be introduced to some extent. And, and this, first, this is part, you should know, all this time I've been talking about anartha-nivrti, but there is artha-pravrti also. Anartha-nivrti means you should, what you should give up. Unwanted things should be, it should be given up. And, but there is art, our real Success in artha nivriti is based on the development of artha pravriti. On artha nivriti, success is dependent upon artha pravriti. Artha pravriti. On artha nivriti means to give up unnecessary things, and artha pravriti means to get things that are essential, that are important. So, from the other side, positive impetus becomes it gives us the power to give up the lower side. I mean, that's why we're here, because we want Krishna. We have some interest in Krishna. And, and you want Krishna in Vrindavan. You don't want to go to Vaikuntha, you want to go to Vrindavan. This is our whole idea. 
So, there's some place for that at some point, sometime, and we have to make the determination. If we always, uh, uh, and Guru's business is to make determination. This is, uh, it's appropriate for him, some sentiment may be coming in some way, some liking, some, however uh, little, and it may be appropriate to cultivate in some way at some point. We hope for that. Generally, you want to dismiss that if your mind is possessed of enjoying spirit, then you will project enjoying spirit into the Leela, and I will enjoy Krishna. I like to do those things, so I'll do those things with Krishna. Sounds like fun. This is not what it's about. It's about serving. So I happen to know that sannyasi well over many years, and I, I tell you, I, 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 I uh, he, he's a, one of the few people that I knew who was a real brahmachari, in Iskon, I mean, he's been brahmachari for thirty years, and he's very—he's he's not a bachelor brahmachari. I mean, he's been in the mission and selfless. So, I, I, I know some things about him that, that led me to believe that he could be encouraged, and, and you see how I encouraged him also with some caution. This is not to be worn on your sleeve. This, this thing—if you have any sentiment. Like this, he served the deity of Krishna Balaram. He has deities. His dedication to them is unparalleled. So, in a cautious way, some encouragement. There's room. For, there's place for that. Do you follow? Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, too. You should hope some god brothers would develop yeah. some sentiments. That would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. We should. We actually also think if it's nothing coming at all, then maybe it's not working. When, in this Leela, we, we rather summarized the, the balance of the chapter for sake of continuing on, but Agasura, of course, was killed, and the boys took their lunch. I alluded to it to some extent when I said Brahma came and saw Krishna with the food in his left hand and so forth. So they had a wonderful picnic, so many boys in concentric circles around Krishna, each one feeling that Krishna was looking just at him. Every cowherd thinks, Krishna loves me more than anyone else. And Sanatana Goswami says, every one of them is right. This is their feeling. So anyway, they're all having a picnic, but they, they, Krishna chose a place for that picnic. They walked a little bit, and they, he found a, a very... Uh, and they were exploring because they had more recently just come to the area, having moved from uh, Gokul Mahalan. And again... Balaram wasn't there, so he could go out beyond the limits of what was the jurisdiction where he was supposed to stay and herd the calves. They were pioneering new areas, adventuring, and they found a crystal clear lake. It's beautifully described in, in Bhagavatam with lotuses. And, and, and the implication of this is that to sit down with Krishna for these kind of things, such intimacy, it should be done... With a, with a clear, clean mind and clean heart. That lake is compared to the, to the, to the clear mind and the heart of, 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 a, of, a, of a yogi who's, uh, you know, who's, in other words, yoga, gyan, means clean heart. Without a clean heart, you can't do gyan. You have to do something else. You have to do, do uh, what is it? Nishkam karma yoga. Nishkam karma yoga. Then heart will become cleansed. And then gan will come into a pure heart. See, bhakti will go into an impure heart and give shraddha. That's her generosity. She's independent. And then we can then we can begin. And we but when we do bhakti, 
then the results of Nishkam Karma Yoga should start to show up in us. And the results of Gyan should start to show up in us. Pure heart is part of bhakti. Mystic insight is part of bhakti. The capacity to sit down and, and do dhyan. We go to dhyana yoga in Bhagavad Gita. The succession is given like this. Nishkam karma yoga, jnana yoga, dhyana yoga, karma sannyas yoga. Karma sannyas yoga, then dhyana yoga. So all these things that can be acquired independently through these systems of yoga can be acquired through bhakti and we should see that they are coming in us and if they are to that extent we know we are doing bhakti not as you are importantly pointing out we are doing bhakti and we are getting rasananda we should be seeing if, 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 if the heart is being pinched and, and it is being cleansed not self-knowledge is coming in purity and then and thereby the, 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 the adhikar to give up work and just live in the temple and do Krishna's work. Planting Tulsi, planting flowers for Krishna, serving the deity. Before that, we may do our own work and offer the results to Krishna. We become a little purified, we get into a position we can do only Krishna's savor, Krishna work. Keeping busy in Krishna work, then sometimes we may find we can sit down and actually remember Krishna. And then we can, we can move away from engagement through the senses and, and, and busy service and actually meditate. In this way, all these things are described in Bhagavad Gita. So, at any rate, the point is that with regard to the crystal clear lake, that when your heart becomes like a spotic money, like a, like a, what it means, like a crystal, clear. Crystal has no, no color. I mean, a clear crystal, no color. But if you put that crystal next to a red rose, it will immediately turn red. So when the heart is pure, then you, you come in touch with Krishna, then that the color, rag also means color, the color will come into your heart naturally. But if the heart is not cleansed, that color won't come in. We mentioned the other day the Vivasana Shloka of Srimad Bhagavatam, where Vyasa says, uh, Just the interest to hear this Bhagavatam will cause Krishna to become arrested in the heart. I mean, we question why that doesn't happen. Jiva Goswami comments, this means the pure heart. Who's already got a pure heart, then, then, then it will come very quickly. So now we have to work to make the heart clean. Cheta Dharpana Marjana. When it's clean, then if you take a, a, a jnani, a real jnani, and you convert him to a bhakta, place him next to Krishna appropriately, very quickly he will take on the color the color means the, uh, the rag of uh, develop attachment for Krishna. Krishna will be, be arrested in, in his heart. So we come, oh, because of, because uh, we are, want to get free from distress, maybe we've come, or we come because, what are those? Artha jignasa artha ti gani For material gain for different reasons, just like Jaiva Dharma. Have you read Jaiva Dharma book to be known? The two principal persons in Jaiva Dharma, Brajanath and Vijay Kumar. We see that very, very quickly they developed through the stages of bhakti. The reason is because one was was a jnani and one was a coming out of jignasu inquiry. 
They weren't coming out of desire for material gain or to get free from material distress. Those weren't factors in their coming to bhakti. So, so sometimes we see somebody joins and very quickly they take to all these things, naturally. So we have uh, you know, <laughs> some background in this from the past. But anyway, point is, if the heart is clean, then uh, this higher development, Shaya Kairaba Chandrika Vataram, the moonbeams of benediction coming from that side will start to show in our heart. So you're right, we have to cleanse our heart. But hopefully some people are doing that. All of us, hopefully. So anything else? Yes. Last night you were making a point, if I understood correctly, that that we should study these and learn these leelas with the idea of extracting philosophical points from them. And because that's what we're doing with this, this Brahma Mohan Leela. And you mentioned you know, Mother Kisoda trying to tie Krishna up with the rope. So I was like you to just reiterate or explain that again so I understand that correctly. And furthermore, um, some of the other past leelas in Krishna book, and maybe just mention the, the philosophical points. Oh, there are so many. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, there are so many. We only mentioned a couple from the Dhamana leela. Right. Another point from Dhamana leela to draw is that Dhamana leela demonstrates the Achinta Veda Veda Tattva, metaphysic of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Because, as we were discussing, Mother Yasoda is trying to tie up Krishna. Krishna would, she already had a little bell. Ever seen little boys in, 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 in India and in, in, in Vrindavan have a little, like, elastic band or rope with a bell on them? If they go too far, Mother can't hear the bell, then she goes, look with them. But as long as she's hearing the bell, like we have some cows, so I have bells on all of them. At any point I can't hear the bell, you know, I'm up looking, where are the cows? You know, I don't want them to wander too far. So this is a system with the young, young, young children. So Krishna had a little bell around his waist. And so in other words, it was possible to put something around his waist. But she was trying to tie him up, and uh, the rope was always two inches too short, no matter how much she tried. And although the rope was two inches too short, no matter how much rope was supplied, Krishna's body wasn't getting fatter and fatter and fatter. It was staying the same size. So the, one of the, some part of the, uh, this is this, the significance of this is that Krishna is demonstrating that he's in one place, but he's everywhere. That his, it, it's demonstrating that his form, his f- very form itself, is all pervasive, while appearing localized. He's everywhere. And he's moving from place to place. Do you understand? Krishna is everywhere. There's nothing outside of him. He's everywhere. If there's nothing outside of him, it means he's everywhere. But he's moving from one place to another, from Govardhan to Radhakun to, to Vrindavan, through the different bonds. So in one, one, one aspect of this Leela can be emphasized is that it demonstrates that he's like that. He's, he's everywhere and he is in, in local at, at the same time, bed bed. So there's so many points, there's so many leelas. But with regard to what we discussed last night, the two inches too short in, that, that, to, to bind Krishna, which is our objective, we want to capture Krishna. 
This is our madness. Mission impossible. We've accepted it. To capture Krishna, the source of everything, the source of ourself, even. To subordinate the source of ourself to to ourselves. It's a crazy idea that we've taken up. So the two uh, inches represents effort, endeavor, and mercy. Both things are required. Effort and mercy. We should make one inch each. Yeah, equally. Yeah. Equally make effort, and equally you'll get mercy. Something like that. You may get mercy without any effort, but as I said, you can't live your life based on the idea that you'll win the lottery. That's not a very good way to live. Live your life. And what kind of effort? We emphasized. Yusoda made a loving effort in her sadhana. The reason she wanted to tie him was because she was afraid he might run away for good. She already knew he had been going to other people's houses and there was some problem, therefore they tried to graze special cows on special grass to get special milk so that he wouldn't go outside their own compound to steal the milk and butter of others. And then then she had to put him down and so forth to tend the milk. He, he cried, he broke the butter pot and, and, and then and she chastised him. And then she was concerned. He might, she, she felt she had to chastise him, but then he started to run. So she thought, oh my God, he's going to run away, and maybe he'll never come back. I want to keep him here. I love him. And there's so much more to that also. What happened when Nanda came back, and there the boy was tied up. And Krishna wouldn't sit on Mother Yasoda's lap after that. So in this way, every pastime in the Krishna book can be... Explored in this way. Of course, yes. That's and that's the business. So we should have these type of discussions. Help us. That the whole that's, that the whole tenth candle is illustrating the philosophy through the context of the Leela. You see, this is what, how Mahaprabhu reached the conclusion. Krishna's demonstrated all these philosophical points in the Leela. And now we craft them into you know the Goswami's crafted them into books like Satsandarbha philosophical treatise, but it's all drawn from that. Because Krishna showed it. He's Bhagavan. So, all right. Should we stop there? One more question. Yesterday you were speaking about the transition from Kumara to Paganda to Krishna Bhagavan. Yeah. Uh, Is that uh, Gopashtami? Gopashtami is the day that Krishna got initiated as a cowherder. Just, yes, coming into the Poganda Leela in Kartik mm-hmm. Mas. In your in Vrindavan, in your studies in Vrindavan, do you have a further um, knowledge of how to honor these days? Uh, when I was there, we did touching the depth of what you know and what I know. I never attended any, any particular festival about Gopas to me, but I've, I've conducted a few of my own. Of Gopastami festivals, basically worshiping the cows and right. offering them garlands and, and fresh grass and spending the whole day taking care of them. And right. we bring them in the temple and yeah. circumambulate the leading bull and all these kind of things and just make a festival, right. basically. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll stop there. Grantaras in the Bhagavatam Kijay.